quiet, please. Quiet, please. Mutual Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called It Is Later Than You Think. And so I venture to say that the Germans and the Japs are trembling in their boots at this moment. For the word that Lindsay Bradley is on their trail. <laughs> Lindsay, our loss is Uncle Sam's game. Your fellow employees wish you success, adventure, and a bushel of medals. And in token of our high esteem for you, in remembrance of the happy hours we have spent with you in the plant, for we are all one big happy family... I present you with this 17-jewel, solid gold, imported wristwatch. May it ever remind you of your good friends here at this arsenal of democracy you are leaving to face our enemies in person. Speech! Speech! Well, uh, uh, all I can say, fellow employees, uh, uh, fellas, uh, and Mr. Throop, all I can say is, uh, I thank you. Well, yes, of course it's a beautiful watch, Lindsay. But for heaven's sake, this is your last night before you go to camp. And I do wish you could pay a little attention to me. Oh, uh... Well, Vernon, I'm sorry. I I never had such a nice watch, though, and I, I get carried away. I, I, I'm sorry, honey, really. Well, for goodness sake, act like it, then. Huh? Act like what? Act like you're sorry. Kiss me. Oh. <laughs> I should say so. Uh, I am going to miss you, Lindsay. Oh, heck, it isn't as if I was going overseas right away, honey. Oh, my goodness, I'll probably be in the camp for quite a while uh, learning things. Uh, heck, you could come and see me often. Maybe I could get an apartment in the town where the camp is, and the sergeants or whoever it is would let you live at home and just go to the camp days. Well, uh, I don't know about that. It would be wonderful, Lindsay. Uh, you could come home for meals, and you could have uh, colonels in for dinner. It would be just like home. Uh-huh. First thing you do when you get to camp is find a nice apartment, about four rooms, uh, maybe five, and I'll come uh, right away, huh? Uh, well, I'll see, honey. You don't seem to be very excited about well, it. Well, I don't know how it'll be at camp. You know, I, I might not be able to find an apartment, and, and maybe I wouldn't be staying there long. You don't want me to be with you. Why, sure I do, Verna, but I... You just want to leave me here all alone in this old place while you go off camping out and being in parades and having a wonderful time. Well, I don't think it'll be like that, Verna. Francis Felton wrote last week from Camp Breckenridge, and he said he'd lost 13 pounds. Well, he could stand it. 
Goodness, I just bet it's wonderful for the boys in camp, marching and having sham battles, and goodness, I wonder what you'll be doing this time tomorrow. It's 11 hours now, and I'll be arriving. What are you doing with that watch? Huh? <laughs> I was just setting it ahead 11 hours. All right. Get your heels together, all of you. Chin in, chest out. You're at attention. My goodness gracious. Quiet. Uh, but I just... And uh... I said silence. Could I ask a question, Lieutenant? I'm a sergeant. Could I ask a question, Sergeant? Uh, please? What? Where am I? You crazy, Mac? Well, gee, uh, honest, sir, I'm not sure. Well, I'll just refresh your memory, bud. You're at Camp Dix, New Jersey. And you're a great, big, ugly, flat-footed private in the infantry, whether you like it or not. Well, for heaven's sake... heaven's sake, I said. How I got there, I will never know. One, one minute I was sitting on the Davenport with Werner right in my own living room in Highbridge, New Jersey, just for no reason, setting my watch 11 hours ahead, and then, bang, I'm alongside the railroad station at Camp Dix, and it's daylight, and this sergeant... Well, now, uh, things don't happen like that. Uh, there's no such thing as magic. But, well, how? Tell me how. All right, you can't tell me, so I'll tell you. I'll... I'll tell you how I found it out. It was an hour later that they let us sit down a few minutes. And there was a man sitting alongside me, and he said, I have a good-looking watch, didn't I? So I told him how the boys at the plant gave it to me, and he admired it some more. And then he said, did I know my watch was an hour fast? So I said, is that so? And I turned it back and... All right. Get your heels together, all of you. Chin in, chest out. You've attention. And I heard myself say, my goodness gracious. Quiet. But I just said... And I said silence. Could I ask a question, Lieutenant? I am a sergeant. Could I ask a, a, a question, Sergeant? Please? And by goodness, I went through that whole hour again. And I was so tired when we got back to the time and the place where the man said I had a good-looking watch. And I looked at that watch. I didn't say anything this time. So time went on the way it ought to go on, and they took us to eat. But I, I couldn't eat anything, because my stomach was full of great big butterflies. And finally, when I had a minute, I got to a phone booth, and I waited 45 minutes, and I got a call through to Highbridge to find out what Verna had to say about it, and Mrs. Houlihan from next door answered, and she said Verna was in bed with a high temperature. And what the dickens did I do to her on my last night at home? So I hung up. Sure. The watch. Whatever I said of that. That's what time it is. Well, now, thinks I, this could be a very handy thing. But I have to be careful. Say, where do you suppose they got that watch? It's really... And then I happen to think of something. My gosh, what would happen if that watch ran down someday if I forgot to wind it and it stopped? Wouldn't. Time stop? Wow. Well, I'm, I'm not going to try to find out. Uh, you know, this sergeant, he wasn't such a bad fellow at that. I was sitting on my bunk one night after supper. There, there wasn't anybody else in the barracks, and, and he walked in. I said, hi, sergeant. What's with you, Bradley? Oh, I'm, I'm just tired. Ain't you going to the movies? No, they run that picture in Highbridge two months ago. Mm, cigarette? Uh, thanks. Are you going? 
Uh-uh. I feel kind of low. Oh, that's so? Yeah. Got a dear John. A which? Letter from my girlfriend. Oh? Well, you know. Dear John, I don't know how to tell you, but I have fallen in love with another guy, and you and I will always be good friends. Oh. Yeah. Great. Well, never get married, kid. I... I am married. Oh, excuse me. You happy? Well, oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. Great. We've been married four years. Miss her, huh? You bet. Uh, this is a kind of... <laughs> Uh, vacation, though. <laughs> you know. Uh, she said she might come down here to live, uh, near the camp. You like that? Well... What's your monkeying with that watch? Huh? Uh, I was uh, just thinking of an experiment. What kind of experiment? Oh, nothing. There's nothing. Uh, want a beer? Let's walk over to the PX. So, we walked over to the PX, and we had a beer, and then we had another, and... Uh, me and my big mouth. Beer always makes me talkative. The sergeant noticed I was fiddling with my watch. I couldn't get it off my mind. And finally, uh, finally, the beer and I told him the story. Of course, he didn't believe it. He laughed a lot. He said I had a great imagination. And then after a while, he walked back to the barracks with me. And we sat down in my bunk again. And well, the place was still empty. And he was, he was still laughing about my imagination. <laughs> I got huffy. I told him I'd prove it to him. <laughs> how will you prove it to me? Well, how soon will the movie be out and the fellas come back to the barracks? An hour. Okay. Watch. What are you doing? Setting it ahead an hour. Yeah, why don't you guys shut up and go to sleep? Turn it back. Turn it back. Okay, there? Sergeant. Brother. Yeah. See, it works. See. All appeared. Just out of nothing. That's the way it'll be an hour from now. Oh, gosh. What you can do with that thing? Well, I've been using it. Yeah? How? I've been setting it ahead every day for a while. What for? See if my wife is going to arrive. Huh? Wife? <laughs> well, I'd like to have some warning, see? Oh, so you can hit me for a pass. Either that, Sergeant, or so I can go AWOL. <laughs> No, Verna's all right. We get along all right, but, well, heck, she demands. I mean, I never got out before I was drafted, and, well, darn it, I kind of like being my own boss. That is, as, as far as the army had let you, you know what I mean? I, I love Verna all right, but I knew what it'd be once she got settled in an apartment here in town. Heck, Highbridge isn't far away. I could get a pass once in a while, but, but here in town, no, I figured that was too close. Yeah, I feel a lot different about it now, but this was quite a while ago. See, 1944, and I'd only been away from her a few months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. So she snuck up on me, after all. I forgot one night to set my watch ahead, and first thing the next morning, I got the word that she was here. So I talked to the sergeant out of talk to out of a pass. We kidded a little. I, I went to town to meet her. It was, it was kind of nice. But, gosh, I couldn't get a word in edgeways. Lindsay, you're so thin. Well, I, I've been... I know you. You just won't talk up to these sergeants and majors and people. Just let them walk all over you. You wait till I see somebody in authority. Oh, now, Verna, you, uh, you can't... You can't... You've been drinking. 
I bet you've been drinking. Well, I'll put a stop to that. When we get an apartment here in town, you can have ginger ale at home. And I'll make brownies, and you can have some of the boys over once in a while. Verna. What? Verna, do you love me? Why, silly child, of course I do. Here, give me a kiss. Now wipe off that lipstick. Are you going to take me out to the camp? I'm just dying to see it. Well, I thought maybe we'd stay in town. Now, Lindsay, I'm not going to sit around in this dismal town all day and all night when there's all sorts of interesting things going on out where you're camping. I came down here to enjoy myself, and that's what we're going to do no matter what you So that's the way it was, yakety-yakety all the time, and I got awful tired of it all of a sudden. You know, used to be I could kind of shut my ears to the yakety-yakety, but I seemed to have lost the trick somehow, and so then I thought... Gosh, I'm going to see how long this is going to go on. So I turned my back, and I moved the hands of my watch ahead, and I I got it ten hours ahead, and I I heard a kind of sigh or something. And I turned around, and you know what? There was this sergeant kissing my wife just as big as you please. Well, I, I grabbed his arm and I tried to yank him away, but it was just like I wasn't there. And Verna spoke to him, and it didn't sound like the yakety-yakety she used on me. Oh, Sergeant Kilroy, you're so impulsive. And then I remembered that what I was seeing was ten hours away, and I, I quick spun the hands of my watch back again, and well, doggone it, I went too far back. Lindsay, and... you're so thin. And that was where I came in, and I had to go through all of it again. Doing the repeat on the kisses wasn't so bad. Till I remembered the way she was going to talk to Sergeant Kilroy about ten hours from now. Well, sir, about five o'clock he showed up and he told me I had to go back to camp. How do you like that? He could stay in town, he said, and he'd be glad to show my wife around and keep her... Entertained whilst I was away, my pal. I crossed him up all right. I waited a couple hours after I got back to camp, and then I just set the watch ahead. And it's morning, and the whole company, including Sergeant Kilroy, is turning out for reveling. Well, she stayed there. She got an apartment such as it was. I got a lot of passes. I took the sergeant in with me every once in a while, and everything was as nice as pie. I didn't do much for the watch, because I was scared of it. I took awful good care it was wound all the time. I tried once to see if I could turn it ahead farther than 12 hours, but I couldn't. When the hands got the 12 hours ahead, everything just clicked right back. You see, 12 hours, the hands just come right back to where they were when you started. Anyway, half a day's enough for me. Heck, it's too much. Think it ain't? Yeah, there come a day. There always comes a day. A big bunch of us got pulled out early in the morning with our A and B bags and everything out of the kitchen stove hung onto us. We're off to the races. Only Sergeant Kilroy, he's permanent detail. He stays in camp. Great deal. Well, I'm smart. I get myself lost in the dark. And I beat it for a taxi, and I haul down to town our apartment. No, Verna doesn't know I'm leaving. I, I don't know where I'm going. And No, I'm not trying to desert. I want to find out something. I get in the apartment, and Verna doesn't wake up. And she looks awful cute asleep. But I turn the hands of my watch ahead, 
three hours. Nothing happened. Except the bed was all of a sudden empty, and I could hear Verna out in the other room, and of course it was full daylight now. So I heaved a big sigh of relief. Everything's all right. And then... to do, and then, just as Vern unlocked the door, I got it. I set my watch back where it belonged, and it was early dark morning again, and she was asleep there in the bed, smiling, and I got out of the apartment. I'll fix that, I said to myself. I'll beat it back to camp, and I'll knock that Kilroy's head off, and a big MP stepped up in front of me. Hey, take it easy, Mac. Where are you going with that equipment? Huh? Uh, why, I, uh, I mean, uh, I, I missed the train, huh? <laughs> oh, you missed the train, huh? Yeah, I... That's fine, Mac. Listen, the train ain't left yet, Mac. Oh? It ain't due to leave for 20 minutes yet, Mac. So I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Just get in the Jeep here with me, Mac. I'll deliver you special. Right to the steps of the car. Okay, Mac? So I started my trip overseas handcuffed to an MP. And there wasn't any kidding about it. I was on that train, but good. And all the jumping up and down in the world wasn't going to do me any good. Because in an hour and a half, I was sitting on a bunk about a foot above sea level in the hold of a great big transport, and the ship was aiming for Africa as fast as they could turn over the propeller. Me and my fancy watch, I wish I'd never seen it. But what can a guy do? I, I throw it away, what'll happen? It'll stop him. Well, all right, maybe time won't stop it. You see what's happened before. Yeah, I, I won't take chances. So, well, it turned out it was a good thing I hung on to it. Because I'm in a hole a few weeks later with another guy in the bazooka, and Mr. Ramos' tanks are doing all right, and I'm scared. This fellow, Red Felbinger, his name was, uh, he's my loader, and we're popping away at Krauts whenever we can get a beat on one, and... Then there's a kind of lull, and we don't see anybody, so we light up a smoke. Red leans his arms up on the edge of the hole and looks out. Uh, looks like they blow the whistle, Lindsay. Huh? What you mean? I, I don't see anybody in any place. Let me see. And that was the end of Red Felbinger. And it was pretty near the end of me, except for the watch. All the German tanks in the world were heading bright, straight pony and blazing away like the 4th of July. Only it wasn't no celebration. The air was thick with hunks of iron, and I leaned down to pick up my bazooka, and then the thought come to me. I, I reached for my watch. Two hours I'll set it back, I thought. And I did, and all the tanks and everything disappeared. So I climbed out of the hole and started away from there. And all I remember was... <coughs> And everything went black and red and green and then dead. No, uh, not dead. But I got it right through my neck and they told me in the hospital that the bullet traveled on down my arm and came out right alongside my watch. 
I was pretty scared about the watch, but the nurse was a nice girl. She laughed, showed me how she'd put it on my other arm. Wound it, too, she said. I felt better. Then I remembered I'd never set it ahead again to where it belonged, and I asked her to set it, and she, she tried. She couldn't. Something had happened to it. Well, look, I won't try to tell you about all the trouble I had with my arm, how I got sent back to the States, spent the next four years in the hospital. Verna? Sure, I saw Verna. I saw her a lot. She used to come and see me all the time. She was different. It seemed like all I'd been through had kind of changed her. She she felt so sorry for me. Gosh, I got to feel sorry for myself. You know how it is. Well, it was a long time, those years, with all I had to do to my neck and my arm. Once in a while, I'd think about Sergeant Kilroy. But Josh Verner was so different now. I, was, I knew everything was okay, so I forgot it. Funny thing was, though, I couldn't turn the watch up to where it belonged all that time. I tried. The nurses tried. The doctors. I couldn't do it. There was no soap. And all this time, I got nervous and irritable. I used to have the... You know, delusions. Uh, one day last month, it was the first day I had my artificial arm. I woke up kind of dopey. I, I thought I'd seen somebody leaving my room at Walter Reed. I, I sort of heard the nurse talking to a guy in civilian clothes that looked kind of familiar, and I thought I heard him answer. Oh, no. Just tell him Kilroy was here. Well, I was going to tell Verna, but the new arm and everything, I forgot. So I get out last week. It was kind of fun. I went back to Highbridge. Bernard fixed up her old place swell. And yeah, she was special, nice to me. I pretty near felt I could afford to lose that arm to make that difference in Verna. She was all right. Only she kept kidding me about the way I fiddled with my watch. I, I couldn't tell her I was trying to get it set back to where it belonged. There was two hours worth of difference in that watch. I guess I got into the habit when I felt so lousy, always twiddling at it, you know, that... Somebody at the door. Vernon's downtown getting her hair fixed. I wonder who it is. Hey, Lindsay. Kilroy! Mind if I come in a minute, kid? Why, sure. Uh, sure, Kilroy. Thank you. Uh, glad to see you. <laughs> uh, gee, Vernon, be glad to see you, too. <laughs> Sit down. Much obliged. Well, I see you still got the trick watch. Uh, yeah, still got it. Uh, how, how you been? What are you fiddling with the watch for, Lindsay? It got stuck. Uh, yeah, I keep fooling with it. Well, uh, tell me where you've been since you got out. I wish you'd stop fooling with that watch. No, I'm sorry. Hey. By golly, I got it. I got it. I'll just set it ahead two hours to make... Yeah. Verna, it's about time. Where you been? All right, I'll meet you then. What? Good Lord, yes. Certainly I did. What? Well, how would you like to sit around in a room for two hours with a guy you just shot? Huh? Please for tonight was called It Is Later Than You Think. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper, and the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Abby Lewis played Verna. Don Briggs was the sergeant. Miscellaneous voices and colorful characterizations with creations of Gwyneth Latimer. Music for Quiet Please is played by Albert Berman. Now, 
A word from Willis Cooper. The characters from tonight's stories were all fictional, of course. For next week, next week, I have a story for you called The Thing on the Forble Board. And so until next week at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. This program was heard in Canada through the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Thank you.